All right, guys. So we had some committees meet this week. Uh, for number one, the Committee on House Administration met this week uh, in the House of Representatives. They had some things to talk about specifically on how they communicate with each other. Um, I also think someone got ejected from Congress. This is not a politics podcast, so we're not going to go into that. But if you want to know, you can look that up in the news. Just type House member that got removed from the, the House of Representatives. It'll be An all exclusive over the we're not club uh, somebody joined this week. Very small club, although yes. you could argue two people this year have been thrown out, including the Speaker of the House. So not getting into it. We don't talk about politics. We literally sometimes stick to sports. Um, they also had an education of the committee on education and the workforce, because I guess both of those things, education and the workforce are important. So mm-hmm. I guess they should meet about that. Josiah, as an educator, do you think they're doing a good job talking about how education should aid the workforce? Um, that's a long answer. Uh, <laughs> we'll go with no. Um. <laughs> Probably not. Mostly not a lot of the time. Yes. <laughs> Sounds good to me. I'm not going to get into that either. The Senate, on the other hand, did meet. The Finance Committee met and they were actually talking about some important things, specifically whether or not we should raise interest rates. Um, Don't know. Don't care. Not an economist. Went to school for physics. Uh, the ju- ju- Judiciary Committee met. Not sure what they talked about because I was in a rush putting this together. I'm sure they're talking about judges. Um, Jeff, I know you keep up with this sometimes. Do you know what the Judiciary Committee talked about nope. at all? No idea. Great. Gonna keep <laughs> gonna keep on moving. Uh, this one is near and dear to me because it was the Intelligence Committee. I'm not going to go into why it's near and dear to me, but just going to say that I work in a skiff. So it's important to me. They quote received a closed briefing on a certain and on certain intelligence matters. So <laughs> perfect. Not gonna go. It's perfect explanation of what yep. they talked about. Uh, and finally, the banking, housing, and urban affairs committee met, and they had an oversight hearing to examine Wall Street firms. Again, real good that they put it out what they're doing, and uh, not sure how it turned out. Uh, I do have an update. The, the Judiciary Committee met for an oversight hearing to examine the Federal Bureau of Investigation. I did actually watch this. They took and dragged the, uh, the the head of the FBI to answer a bunch of questions from the U.S. Senate. And it went about as well as you could expect, where a bunch of senators were asking a lawyer, how good is he at his job? So they did it. They nailed it. They, they nailed him. <laughs> Got um, him. <laughs> uh, they didn't. They didn't. Nail fun, him. fun times so, on great the job, C-SPAN. Senate. Oh, my God. Oh, boy. I did actually watch this. Um, I may or may not know what happened in the Intelligence Committee. And unfortunately, I may or may not want to talk about it on a recorded <laughs> one. Um, so sorry, guys. We'll just leave it at the description that they gave. Uh, Jeff, go ahead and tell us what you think about all this, about other maybe committees that met between the results of the games and this morning at 12 uh, Eastern Standard Time. On ESPN. Yeah, the congressional committees. You know, they're appointed representatives or uh, elected representatives to do uh, important things, ask important questions, maybe not do those things, maybe not ask important questions, you know, mm. all sorts of stuff. But um, I will say I can understand and all that. Um, now, if you're a committee to select football teams going into a playoff, you know that you could be replaced <laughs> by a spreadsheet that would do your job better, cheaper um more transparently particularly put in a csv put in a csv put in a csv um we'll discuss that later in detail but uh yeah yeah we're recording this at 2 p.m on 
December 3rd, and we got some feelings, y'all. Yeah. You can look at the Twitter because I posted some of those feelings, but we got feelings, y'all. Yeah, we have lots of thoughts, gang. Lots of thoughts. All right, that's our cold open. And welcome, welcome, welcome to the Conference Championship Week Review of Fedra Mascot. My name is Blue, angrily calling for the abolishment of the committee. And I am here joined this week with Jeff, who is, and I got to say this, he's Purdue strong this morning, morning, folks. And he's wearing the uh, Purdue Boilermaker sweatshirt. Jeff, how are you? And uh, what have you been up to since the Conference Championship Week ended last uh, week? I went to Menards this morning. Uh, yeah and because we did not have enough christmas lights for when i when i put up the christmas lights so i got some more and i think we still don't have enough um and i prepared for a run that uh, some other things scrambling i wasn't able to go on yet so that's going to be what i do after this recording enlighten the one person who doesn't know what is this and what did you eat so menards is a hardware store Okay, see, this is this what happens. They are well known for having (laughs) 11% rebates on everything at random times throughout the year, (laughs) as well as their obnoxious jingle about how you save big money at Menards. But the thing is, as you walk American institution, as you walk through Menards looking for the the, like one thing you need to get, you'll find other things. You'll end up spending like three times as more like I was walking through, I'm like, hmm, I'd like some snack nuts at my desk because they have like a grocery section in this. In the hardware store. So I got some nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, had some grilling supplies I picked up. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I went in there for like Christmas lights and toilet paper and came out with a bunch of other stuff and gifts for uh, some pets in our family. And Carly is like, what are you doing when I get home? So this is further proof that the two ag school grads heard Menards, got excited, and the liberal arts school grad looked at them and said, I don't know what that is, and called it a restaurant. (laughs) So I don't know, man. The Home Depot that my father went to and loved as a kid had a Nathan's truck outside. I don't know what you want to be. Uh, Josiah, welcome, sir. I see. I I love the polo. I'm going to go on a limb because I can't see from the neck up. That is a a Mississippi State University polo. It's not branded, but it. It, I did get it because it is the MSU maroon, so it's just a plain one. But I was like, you know, I can I can support the colors without it being uh, specifically tied to the university. And is that a dry fit? Because I saw that. I Nike. think it might be. I don't remember. I put it on and I was like, this is comfortable. I'll buy it. I don't I don't know if it's a dry fit or not. I should, but I don't know that. It's fine if you don't know. Uh, but but welcome. I hope you're doing well. Uh, how did your. Uh, how did your conference championship week go for you as you watched it? I mean, honestly, it went pretty well because the results were not outside of my expectations. Like a, a committee 
notwithstanding. Um, everything else, I was like, yeah, okay, this is about what I thought would happen. So I just, you know, just have a good time. Ha- ha- you know, you, you show up and you hang out and you have fun. I'm going to ask this because you and I have commiserated uh, about very specifically the world's brightest orange. Mm. Um, I want to ask, how do you feel about Oklahoma State's current slogan, which, if I remember correctly, orange has the answers. Was that or what was it, if you don't mind, if you can remember? I, I think it's mind. something very close to that. I America's brightest orange was just such a fun play on words. Like, I loved it. I kind of feel like we should have kept it. I know why you have to refresh the brand periodically, but. It was just such a fun slogan that I wanted to keep it because there's a, it's a nice little pun. I don't know. It, it was great. And the new one's fine. But the, the America's Brightest Orange is just it's a it's a transcendent little tagline. And I, I thought it was great. So I will miss it for a long time. I'm going to read it to you. And I apologize to Oklahoma State University Stillwater. I, I did not get it right. The new slogan is orange is the answer. That's Oklahoma right. State has a new message. Orange is the answer. Born out of a strategic branding campaign by the Department of Brand Management. The new slogan reflects OSU's commitment to the land grant mission and the power of public impact research. So Oklahoma State free advertisement there because one of your employees <laughs> is on this podcast. And I believe strongly in Oklahoma State University's mission. Um. We're going to get into it. We've got several games to talk about, uh, including uh, the SWAC championship, FAMU at uh, playing Peer Review, A&M University, New Mexico State at Liberty University, Wartburg at the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater, SMU Tulane, which there's a lot of private schools playing in these games, uh, Texas playing Oklahoma State, and then UNLV playing Boise. So we had a lot of games go down. I'm going to get started with, uh, oh, and I forgot Oregon-Washington, uh, part deux. Um, so I I'm going to start with FAMU and Prairie View. Uh, I watched the game, watched the entire game, including two weather delays. So the, oh. the game started delayed. Oh, then they had a delay in the middle of the game. Didn't matter. FAMU's rampage across the SWAC has concluded. They are the undisputed Southwestern Incredible. Athletic Conference champions. Winning every game they played against the SWAC. They have lost two games in the entirety of their time since joining the SWAC. Both of them to Jackson State University. This year, though, no problem with the Tigers. And then they went and they... Ran the Panthers off the field at the newly christened. Uh, uh, they just changed the name of their stadium. So it is Bragg Memorial, but the field has a new name because they just had another uh, member of the FAMU uh, alum, uh, illustrious history get inducted into the Black College Football Hall of Fame. So congratulations to FAMU. But they they went and they beat they beat the Panthers silly. They won the game 35 to 14. It was, in, was never really a contest. I think uh, they... Uh, this is Prairie View got a touchdown in garbage time, but FAMU ran them off the field as the undisputed champion of the SWAC and will be headed to Atlanta to play in the Celebration Bowl against my beloved Howard University Bison. Uh, it's going to be one for the ages. We got a real national championship game, not none of that fake stuff you see in the mm-hmm. exhibitions coming up. And I'm excited to see it. Uh, the Celebration Bowl is another in the long history of postseason bowl games where we pit the two champions of the, the large HBCU conferences against one another. So that being said, uh, I'm excited about it. We will do that preview coming up. But just to talk about the game, uh, FAMU looks good. They hadn't played uh, in two weeks, and they look good this week. They won their game, and and they're going to get a couple weeks off, and they're going to get get the Bison. So, uh, like I said, uh, I'm excited about it, and we'll go from there. Uh, I also uh, watched Oregon-Washington, which was, again, they gave us another game of the year contender. Uh I said it, and I'll keep saying it. Washington is the best team. They have the best player who I think should win the Heisman, and Michael Penix Jr. They talked a whole lot because Oregon was on a hot streak, but I'm like, 
the two teams played each other earlier and the game went the same way again. Washington won by three. The game was played in the same place. The game was played wearing the same colors. This time, Oregon didn't have eggshell on. That's nice. But Penix played great and they won the game again because of it. I just, maybe we shouldn't do rematches. This will be make people mad and say we should do <laughs> rematches. Jeff, I want to ask, did you watch this game at all? Did you have any thoughts outside of Washington is now undefeated in 13-0 after beating Oregon twice? What did you I watched it, and yeah, it was one of the best games of the season. And, and Washington did dominate early. Again. Oregon got back into it, and I think that's sort of Washington's season in a little bit of a nutshell of very much they have looked a little bit less dominant than they actually are down the stretch. Um, but Washington was doing everything they needed to do to win. And I mean, it's, they will be playing each other for years to come, obviously, but it's a, it was certainly a weird feeling watching that game and realizing this is the last game for a very old conference. Um, and it's also, which, you know, a little bit of the modern story, the Pac-12, it was at 5 p.m. Pacific on a Friday. This is all for ESPN. I've made this argument in the past. Allowing ESPN to broadcast this game was a mistake on the Pac-12's part. After After ESPN made all the moves that they did, and again, I'm unmoved by the argument that the Pac-12 was mismanaged, because all the conferences are mismanaged to some one degree or another. Only one of them got absolutely had the rug pulled out from under them by the very broadcast partners who they had contracted to work with. But I'm that's again, that is not the point of this conversation. I, I disagree with playing this game on Friday. This game should have been on Saturday with all the other games. It should have been the nightcap. It should have been the final of them. Doesn't matter. Uh, the Pac-12 has played their final Pac-12 championship as currently constructed, and I'm mad that ESPN had a say in it. Um, Josiah, uh, did you have any chance to see this game? Did you have any thoughts on it? What was your takeaway seeing these two juggernauts basically have another prize fight? It was, again, it was everything you want for as an outsider. I will say in defense of people nagging Washington a little, they looked rougher it stretches during the middle of the year. Some of that might be injuries and stuff. So like I even fully expected Oregon to win this close as opposed to last time, just because Washington had 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 played with their food a little bit more than I expected this season. But yeah, they came out. They, they did the thing that like Clemson used to do where they, they play really good in the big games. like, and then, you know, they might keep the, the low games a little too close, but they win. And then, yeah, then they get to their title game and they turn it, they flip the full switch and they're ready to, ready to, ready to go. And like, I, I, you know, I can't imagine being mad at, 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 you know, being, you know, I, I, as long as the team's winning, as long as they're 13 and 0, I mean, that's a playoff, that's a playoff bound team. It's a great, oh, wait a minute. Sure. Um, Hold on a second. I think, (laughs) I think maybe Washington doesn't deserve to be in the playoff despite winning all their games. Now, um, but yeah, well, it's, it's I, you know, man, you're right. Yeah, it's it's just not that's not a metric. You can't you can't go. They're not good enough on defense and Penix could get injured, which means that now um, that it. Yeah, it's just they're both such good teams. I feel bad for Oregon and, in, in, you know, you got to win your game. So obviously Oregon had the chance and didn't didn't do it. But I would just have loved to see what this Oregon team could have done in a playoff against like a Michigan or, you know, um, 
or uh, blanking on other teams. But, you know, whatever, whoever else sure. is in there, just be I would have liked to see both of these teams make it. That was my that was my hope, even though I knew that was a really outside chance. Um, but yeah, so a bit, but yeah, incredible. Washington has earned this and I hope they kill everybody. I hope they just annihilate this playoff. It's, it would be fun to see them just go in there and, and ro- you know, roll everybody. That being said, I've got good news for you about Oregon playing Michigan regularly <laughs> going into the future. That's true. One of the things I I do want to point this out because it has struck me. Uh, I, I in our Discord, the Moonku Discord, I have seen the argument floated around that Ohio State is built to win national championships. Uh, Michigan is built to beat Ohio State, and this is another one of those scenarios. Oregon is handcrafted and built to win a national championship. Or at least that's their desire. That's their desired outcome. That's how they're built. That's why they play with speed. Their defense is good. They are, you could even argue, they are designed to win the Pac-12. That that could even be a better argument. They're designed to beat everyone in the Pac-12, as evidenced by the fact that they did. And then Washington is specifically constructed to beat Oregon. And by, by a byproduct of that is you beat all your other teams in a tough game, and then you beat the team that you need to beat to get the championship. And Again, I hats off to Washington. I've called it. I've been talking about this guy, Michael Penix Jr. for two seasons. I've been talking about Washington for two seasons. This is a good team. They run a great offense. And I I, I bet on them against literally anybody. Um, so I'm excited to see him play. And I, I hope that Penix wins the Heisman. That's just where I'm at mm-hmm. at this point. Because I called it early this season. So I, I got to hold true. <laughs> I got to hold true. I, I do want to also shout this out. I will always accept my mea culpas. We didn't put it on our schedule, and I didn't talk about it. The Mac played their game, and I watched every second mm-hmm. of it. Toledo played the, Miami, the University of Miami, Ohio, the Red Hawks. And I want to say this. I will stand on my own, too, like a man and take my lumps. So anyone out there that wants to tweet about I was wrong, I said that Toledo would repeat as Mac champions, and they did not. Toledo had – they just had a hell of a season. Yeah. Um, give, us the, give us the warning. Give us the explicit tag. Don't care. But <laughs> – Toledo Rockets, my heart goes out to Toledo, Ohio. You played a phenomenal season, and you didn't have it in this game. You lost to a deserving team, mm-hmm. uh, the University of Miami, Ohio, who I want to point out had script on the side of their helmet that oh, just said Miami. Perfect. So you know what? Yeah, They're the only Miami because they win conference champions. So you want to get that Miami tag, uh, the, the U, or whatever you're calling yourselves, for now on, you're the University of Coral Gables until otherwise noted. Um, <laughs> New Mexico State went and played Liberty University. That's right. Uh, and our man, Josiah, was Johnny on the spot. Tell us about this game and uh, why the Aggies didn't do it. Yeah, it it was pretty close most of the game, which I was really impressed by how, you know, I, I wanted New Mexico State to win this, obviously, because, you know, I love Jerry Kill. They're Pistol Pete school. Big fan of it. Not super big fan of Liberty as an institution, but even all that aside, I would still be pulling for the Aggies here. Um, but yeah, it was pretty, pretty even at halftime. It was 21, 21. Um, at one point, you know, Liberty pulls out a, a good size lead, but it was 35, 35 going into the fourth quarter. And that's sort of when Liberty ran away with it by 14, you know, it final score 35, 49 with Liberty winning and going undefeated. But I mean, this, this New Mexico state is a real, is the real deal. It's a real team. And they were, they did extremely well, even with that, with, you know, I think their quarterback had to exit the game at one point and they still did extremely, you know, played very competent football against Liberty, who has a lot of money, has a lot of good players, has a really good coach. 
um, and also plays one of the weakest schedules in college football. <laughs> um, but yeah, like New Mexico State, it's a dream season. I mean, I know they didn't win this game, but, you know, they were in it until the end when they when when Liberty just outpaced them. Basically, I think it was uh, it was just the way that that works. But I mean, it's still incredible to see what they've double digit wins were actually competitive in the in the conference title game until near the end. I mean, you know, it, it's a it's a solid year. Liberty ran the ball extremely well in this game, which kind of I don't know that that really surprised me knowing Jamie Chadwell, but I mean, they had over 300 yards rushing and also 300 yard over 300 passing. So it was a it was a very balanced kind of attack from them. And they just they just they they did it. They played they played extremely well. Shout out to the conference champion of the Sun Belt, Liberty University. I was hoping I was pulling for the fight in uh, fight names mm-hmm. on this one. Mm-hmm. I still say great, great season oh, yeah. for them. Yeah. Jerry Kill, coach of the year. Yes. Still in my yes. book. I just played amazing. Again, I, as much as I have personally against Liberty, which is fine. If I take my personal uh, beef with Liberty out of it, I point out they're 13 and 0 and the committee just completely ignored them. Now that some so folks will say that's great because of all the personal stuff and all the politics. But I will also point out this team is 13 and 0 yep. and is getting no love from anybody outside of their committed fan base. I don't like it. I think that's bad for the sport if 13 and 0 doesn't have any meaning, any meaning. But if that's how it's going to go, maybe we need to have a hard conversation about whether or not the committee should make these decisions. Mm-hmm. Jeff, I know you want to jump in real quick. Uh, yeah, and I think it's, it's three people critical of Liberty as a university. Uh, them getting a spotlight is a way in which uh, we can spread that criticism. And them going 13-0 and getting, you know, big football things is a way to put that spotlight on. I mean, it's the same thing of Qatar hosting a World Cup made Qatar not anonymous mm-hmm. and a put a lot of spotlight on their terrible human rights record. Um, and so I think you can dislike a, a university and kind of understand uh, that a little bit, but no, I mean, they, they played an incredible game last night. I mean, both teams and yeah. I would say like looking at a uh, game on paper and basically every offensive mm. statistical category, uh, both teams were, pretty much all over the 75th percentile, except for Liberty on explosive play rate. Like both teams really excelled. um, And I was a late turnover kind of hurt in Mexico state. And that's the unfortunate thing of, of football's turnover, you know, a couple turnovers, which can't always entirely control those. uh, Yes. Ways a game, but yeah, no, I mean, both, both teams played this game exceptionally. New Mexico state is, 10 wins for them is huge. Yeah. Um, I know, you know, one of my coworkers is a New Mexico State alum. And yeah, like he his pessimism before the past couple of years on Mexico State football is, yeah, we're just going to be anonymous and lose every game. And, you know, it's it is big for them that they are where they are. And particularly it's it's a school that a lot of people outside in Mexico don't necessarily know of. And, and them getting um national attention and people being aware of of them as an institution is great so completely agree uh, at my job uh there are two two folks uh a husband and wife actually um well i the wife works at the job her husband uh, also works somewhere else but both of them new mexico state fans and i and the 
joy that they have had about this season and that I knew about it is why I love the sport. Mm-hmm. And it's why I love talking about them is that I was able to say, cause she had a, she had a New Mexico Aggie lanyard on her, her desk when I went to talk to her and I said, Hey, the Aggies are doing great this year. And she's like, you know about the Aggies? I'm like, yeah, I watch New Mexico state fairly regularly. And the joy that she had to someone have to talk about that little team out in Las Cruces. And I just, I tell people that that matters. This matters to people. Even if others don't care, even if these networks don't care, and this is why we consume the sport as as at, with a fine tuned coach like we do, because there are people that care. And I them getting ten wins for the first time since the sixties is is something we should talk about and celebrate. They had a great season. Even if they don't have any hardware to prove it, they beat their rivals, they beat Auburn, they not just like had a fluky, but they <laughs> went and dominated the Auburns so in their home stadium. I I give it up to them uh, and Aggies, you know what? I will root for you for as long as you, uh, as long as I can, because I'm proud of you. Great job. I do want to talk about some D3 action. If That's you don't right. mind, Josiah, tell me about Wartburg and UW Whitewater. Yeah, that speaking of another team that's 13 and 0, Wartburg pulled this game out of nowhere to some extent. It was like 21 to 3 Whitewater in the second quarter. And of course, we're getting these updates because Wartburg is my mother's alma mater. I have a lot of, you know, affinity for that. Orange and black schools just kind of in my blood. Um, But they came back. They came back actually sort of twice. One from being down 21-3. And then, you know, Whitewater had a score to be up by four. And Wartburg scored at 54 seconds left in the game. Pulled out, you know, a a, an 11 play 78 yard drive and just gutted this thing out. It was very cool. Like it's, you know, I mean. And it, it's it's the fun part about this sort of thing is like the attendance at this game was 3000 people. You know, it's not that nobody cares. It's usually just small schools, but it's fun. Like you, you this is. This is part of the heart of football. The majority of, of schools that play this sport are this kind of thing. And it's 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 just fun for me, even if it wasn't my mom's school to pay attention to this kind of stuff. I mean, you know, like 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 I mean, New Mexico State, we've just talked about them but you know uh, i want to emphasize something that blue said you know it's the first second it's the first time since the 60s that they've gone gotten 10 wins it that's and it's only the second time ever that they've gotten double digit wins so the 60s was the first this is the second and for these little schools like this and like wartburg and whitewater like these are these are fun years this is a great it's 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 good stuff. So yeah, the Knights look good. They're in the semifinals. They get to play North Central College, and we'll see how that shakes out. Um, but you know, I'm optimistic. It would be fun again to watch my mom's alma mater, little school out in in very rural Iowa, go out and win a D3 title. That'd be that'd be a good time. Keep up the good work and keep on winning. I do want to turn over to the American Athletic mm-hmm. Conference, the AAC where Southern Methodist University played Tulane University in a football game. Uh, again, these private schools have got to stop uh, the violence on one another. But I do want to talk about this game that happened out in Yule Stadium, uh, uh, Yule Men Stadium out in New Orleans. Uh, Jeff, tell me about it, because it looks like the Mustangs ran Yeah, out I'll say, with second-string quarterback uh, Kevin Jennings, who looked shaky uh, pretty early with uh, two picks and a fumble, um, and otherwise, what was a very defensive game? Um, I was like, neither team had above zero EPA per play. 
Um, and both teams had some really good havoc rates. Uh, SMU with 15%, uh, Tulane with 13%. So it it very much was a defensive game, although SMU probably should have should have been one more than they did. But Jennings was really good on the run, and I think that that bailed them out in a lot of situations and kept the ball moving. Um, that really is where SMU was in this, and they really contained the run, which is something Tulane does very well. Um, also of note, Willie Fritz after this game was announced to be um, head coach at Houston, um, which I think is a really good hire for for Houston um, mm-hmm. is rough for Tulane and we'll see where they go from here because they Tulane is a school that really hasn't had consistent success and Fritz got them to back to back division titles after having some inconsistency. Um, as well over his time in New Orleans. So that does make you wonder a little bit too if there wasn't entirely uh, focus there and and that may have made the difference. But no, I mean, it it ended up being among many games uh, on Saturday, just a very good defensive game. One other really interesting note is pretty early in the game, there was a... um, expedited uh, review on one of the on a call um, which is kind of interesting because I think there are a lot of plays where you know a review will typically happen things like turnovers scoring plays um, and having someone take a look at it ahead of time so that you're not going to stop the game flow I think gives you a little bit of the balance of having that correct answer in a second look as well as not really slowing the game down which I think what we see a lot um, in video reviews it just hurts the flow of watching the game. I tend to agree. Mm. I, I, I personally think replay is important. Mm -hmm. And I, I, even if the replay does slow down the game, the replays don't extend the game as much as commercials do. And I think it's vastly more important to get the calls right. To, To your point, Jeff, you're correct. It does hurt teams who use higher tempo because they have to stop and make sure the thing that happened actually happened. And that is correct. And as a Purdue fan who had Jeff Brom as their head coach up until recently, I can see why you would dislike <laughs> that. But I maintain it is important to get all of the calls right or as high as a percentage correct as possible. And the referees and the replay allows that to happen. And as long as they're getting the calls right, I'm personally fine with stopping the game to do that. Now, for stopping the game because they want to sell me Pepsi or Coke or Dr. Pepper, different question. But you're right. It does slow the game down. And that was the big complaint. Of the, that's why the NFL got rid of replay back in the 80s. Because it was they were, my father would say, they were doing it on every play. <laughs> and they were. <laughs> but I get it. Um, I do want to point out in this game, and I watched a bit of it. I didn't watch all of it. But Tulane looked out of sorts. Mm-hmm. And several people were pointing out their quarterback has been hurt. And he has taken a lot of hits over the course of this season. He has been out maybe one or two halves of games, not whole games. He played tough all game, and they were in it up until the end, but the game was out of reach, and he was still playing hard. So they were down two scores, and he was still in the game trying to win it, and they didn't. And 
he really took a beating in this game and a lot of other games this season. Mm-hmm. Um, Josiah, I see you're shaking your head. Did you get a chance to watch this game at all? A bit of it, yeah. Not the, like like you, I wasn't able to see the whole thing, but yeah, it 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 just SMU felt I, in a vibe sense in control for most of this game. Like I, it was close, but it felt close in a way that like. I don't know. I, I, I know it's a bad pun, but SMU just it felt like they had the horses to outpace Tulane. Like it just really. Yeah, I know it. But they did like they were they were they were solid. And and Tulane just felt it felt a little bit shell of itself compared to what I was expecting. Like I know Tulane this year is not the Tulane of last year, even though they're still really good. But even in this game, I expected Tulane to come out a little bit more you know, guns a blazing than what we saw. And, you know, credit to SMU. They, they, they played really well and they won this, this, they won this, you know, very clearly. Um, And they're going to the playoff. It's going to be great. (laughs) They did. And they're also now going to the ACC, uh, that being SMU. Jeff, I'll give you the last word on this so we can get to your next game. Uh, I'll give you the last word on this one. If you, if you want it. Yeah. I was like, it, it did kind of, obscure Tulane's path into the New York six. And we'll see potentially while we still record what a group of people that should be a spreadsheet decide to do um, with that, because SMU does have two losses, but they're power five teams and, and they scheduled themselves pretty hard with um, two big 12 teams um, versus you have an undefeated Liberty, but they have a very weak schedule. Um, and you have James Madison who couldn't play in their conference title game because of bureaucracy. So very weird situation. You mean the rules that they agreed to? Yeah. Yes, that's correct. I have no sympathy for JMU. They're finally no longer going to beat up on my Norfolk state Spartans because they were an FS uh, FCS team across the way in the same state. No sympathy for them uh, to the, to the JMU fans that are upset about that. You had a great season. You went 11 and one, but you couldn't beat the team that went to the championship game in app state. So all is right with the world, I guess. Beat App State next time. <laughs> um, new rivalry unlocked. I do want to talk about the Big 12 championship yeah. game uh, with brevity, if possible. Uh, Jeff, this was your beat. Uh, I will read the first <laughs> bullet for you. Uh, sorry, Josiah. <laughs> yeah. Talk about um, we had two orange teams going at it, Jeff. I I watched it until I couldn't take it anymore. Uh, what did I you al- think of this I game? I also that? did that, even though orange is my favorite color. Uh we were getting lunch. We watched it, and then upon returning from lunch, we're like, "This is this is out of reach. Let's watch a movie instead." Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, this is this with the misses. This is, this is with the misses and the brother-in-law. Uh, and brother-in-law brother-in-law was telling us how fun or how insane the Uncharted movie was. So we decided to watch the Uncharted movie, and it it was wild. Um, but Texas just utterly dominated, and the way a game on paper works. Uh, is it's green if it's a good thing and it'll be like purple if it's bad and like every texas stat is just green (laughs) like um they they utterly dominated um oklahoma state kind of throughout and they executed just every bit of their offense and defense um pretty perfectly um 0.32 0.32 EPA per play that puts them 93 percentile success rate of 49 percent that's 87th percentile yards per play 7.92 92nd percentile 
Oof. Just kind of. It every doesn't phase. get much worse no, than that. It really it's doesn't. About, yeah. Um, <laughs> they get. It only gets. The numbers are. And I really want to put a fine point on this. It was about as dominant a performance as Texas would could put on against an opponent. Sorry, Akira. <laughs> oh, it's no. It, it it's. I mean, I kind of. I didn't expect us to win this. I hoped we would be closer in the score, but like nothing about this surprised me. And I'm not saying that to cope. Like it's just Texas is very good. They like really, truly good. And OSU is not a bad team, but what you see in this game and in the other blowouts that we've had is that we have certain things that work so well and if those aren't working, then we don't have much to pivot to versus like the Brandon Whedon years when we had a really good stable of running backs and tight end type players or big wide and receivers. wide receivers, wide receivers. Yeah. I mean, we, we had a lot of variation in what we could in what we could do. Um, and true giant killers, it, those teams. It, Listen, young people. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so they were. Yeah. Oof. But I'm sorry, I was just going to say, like, the main thing takeaway for me was, you know, Ollie Gordon only rushed 13 times. They went away from the run very early. It wasn't super successful, so I get why they did that. Uh, Pass was moving the ball a little bit better. Um, But he's kind of the mainstay of the offense. And when you get away from the mainstay of the offense too much, the offense doesn't work quite as well. And, you know, Texas really just keyed in on Ollie all game and it worked. And I mean, that's just that's how it is. You know, we were kind of a. A really good one note, but a one note team. And I am still very pleased with this year, especially with how it started. I think most Pokes fans were bummed out. But like when you consider how the year started and the fact that we played in the championship game, I mean, that's, you know, against a team that's going to the playoff deserves to be there, beat Alabama. You know, it's it's and I mean, I, I say that sincerely. Texas is extremely good this year. And and yeah, so I mean, don't love the result, but, you know, we we made it there and I'm happy with I'm happy that the team was able to even do that. That was very cool. So do you have a weird Oklahoma shaped trophy to, to hang your hat on now? <laughs> yes. Yes, we do. OK, <laughs> so, so Jeff, you have a point here about sparkling NFL, which I imagine is some new brand of buble flavored sparkling water. Can you walk me through this? So place? the Big 12 for reasons that reasons did some and did some different money 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 things with their uh conference title game including a lot of wwe cross branding which is interesting they brought in a belt which is kind of cool i'm not i'm not super Mm -hmm. big into into pro wrestling so it's not appealing to me but um if you're into that that's pretty cool i think the belt's pretty cool it's weird a lot of the cross branding stuff on the field it felt a bit a bit weird. And one of the other things is they had uh, Nelly do their halftime show rather than traditional having um, two normal band shows. And watching that halftime show was weird because they theoretically had the bands there playing, but the sound mixing, they didn't have the bands in it all. Um, and it just a well, I, I, I sorry to step on you there. It was I, I noticed this. It was strange. The bands were in the end zones. And they were playing because Texas played their fight song when they scored. So it was mixed weird, but they were also in the they were right. Yeah. I mean, they were right behind. The oh, yeah. During during the game, so anyways, they were in I'm there. Sorry, yeah, this on. was just during the halftime mm-hmm. that, that yeah, they yeah. had on the field was doing Nelly. And I 
I will say I I like the traditions of the of the sport and the mm-hmm. game and the pageantry and that's part of what is appealing to me about it and what separates it from um the NFL or other forms of of football is it has these unique things and removing them just takes something out of it where it just ends up trying to be an imitation of the NFL and I don't entirely understand why and it's just it feels like it takes what of what makes the sport unique and I think an offseason thing is kind of going through what we think are some of the things that make college football unique from from other forms of football and, and maybe asking around um, some of our fine friends on the internet if, if they agree or disagree with some of these things but it just to me it feels like you're trying to imitate something else rather than be proud of what you are mm-hmm. agree completely i uh the reason is because the annual nfl revenue is about 11 billion dollars a year that's probably why they're imitated um to show that we are committed to the bit about being a food-based podcast <laughs> uh and jeff put this in here and i know he's not gonna read it because i've asked him to read in french accent before he won't do that but in the future, we're going to talk about l'appellation d'origine contrôlée. And I know that that's something exciting. Translated loosely, uh, it is the original control um, of what's going on here within our sport. And I think that's a good idea that we should do in the future. Hope I didn't butcher that pronunciation too bad, Jeff. I don't speak French. Europe, so. <laughs> I know Spanish and Weird. German and a tiny bit of Greek. So... Weird that mm-hmm. we don't have French in West Lafayette, Indiana. Um, I, Jeff, I know this was your game, but Josiah, I will give you the final word on this one as well because this is your conference and your team was involved. Yeah, I mean, go Pokes! It you know, and good job Longhorns. They, 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 they wanted to make that statement win, score a lot of points, didn't take their foot off the gas until near the end. And Sarkis Smart, he has done such a good job of slowing the games down this year at the right time to burn clock and keep a lead. And here he didn't, he had a huge lead, so he didn't have to worry, but Sark is a good coach, man. I mean, I was worried for a bit, but I I think he's got this thing humming and I am grateful. They're going to be out of my conference and sat and scared that they're joining my other conference. (laughs) Yeah. You just can't escape. It's a real shame. Uh, I, I want to talk about the Mountain West Conference's championship game that was decided by the computers, the very thing that Boise railed against for all those years (laughs) during BCS. The University of Nevada, Las Vegas, and Boise State played a football game in Las Vegas. And, uh, well, Boise State ran away with it. Mm -hmm. Lots of horse teams running away with it this year. Jeff, what did you have on this one? Yeah. One, it's very weird because Boise has an interim coach and they won their conference, um, which is... Weird, man. And an interim because they fired him because he wasn't doing they fired fired a Oreo because he wasn't doing well. Like I that 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 is a certain level of good in the sport I will never uh, experience. But um, yeah, I was like UNLV was prevented from running go go offense like they want by Boise. They were negative 0.24 EPA per drop back. That's 23rd percentile. Could not throw the ball. And negative 0.48 EPA per rush, which is third percentile. They could could not 
throw the ball either. So they just utterly shut down uh, UNLV's otherwise exceptional um, offense under mm-hmm. Brennan Marion. Um, and yeah, they were able to execute on offense to get past and just utterly dominated this game. And it's just kind of wild that they just won the conference under an interim. And there's a real question of, is Boise, yes, they are now, um, I think eight and five math serves. Um, and do they continue with the interim that has proven he can win the conference? Or is the fact that they have under, you know, last coach, not been at their level of standard and they still kind of that's this is still part of that regime do they need to go with a change just to freshen up to maybe get back there and i think it's a real question for them although it's hard to say no to proven success either it's it's a bit odd mm-hmm. um i hear brian harson's unemployed <laughs> Uh, tangentially related to that uh we do have some news in the g5 selection from the uh people that should be a spreadsheet and uh the liberty flames will be facing oregon in uh sorry the let me double check the fiesta bowl um and yeah we we encourage our listeners to kind of do some some research on the many areas of criticism for Liberty University, including their restrictive rules for students, how they leverage their online presence to make massive amounts of money from taxpayer dollars and not really provide value to the students, um, how they aggressively go, go after um, in the GI bill um, students and kind of drop them that way. So yeah, a lot of room for criticism of of that university and hopefully the spotlight on them uh, opens the eyes to a lot more people that may have never heard of them before this recording. Man, I will say this, Norfolk State. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, even if Bo doesn't play in that game, if he opts out, that's going to get that could get so ugly so fast. Like Oregon good. is so good, despite and mad and mad (laughs) and mad justifiably upset they should have won the game if they had played better and beat washington but all they had to do was score more points points. and it's you know it's clear narrowly losing twice to your rival to miss out on the playoffs sucks but on their turf on their turf yeah so like totally they're they're gonna be ready to make a point wow i mean boy howdy that's gonna go that's gonna go some kind of way or 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 Liberty could be the new Boise State. Uh, We're gonna have to sit down and watch them win oh on, a, on a on a on a, on a, on a statue of, on a statue of Liberty play. Except, pass, pass. Boise was Anyways. actually good. Yeah, L- Liberty they played real teams. Currently listed as a nineteen and a half uh, point on. underdog. Hold on, uh, hold on. Liberty I, had the worst strength of schedule. Of, uh, they played the weakest schedule in the FBS, and like I know, I know, I'm being overly harsh. <laughs> A little, because <laughs> hold on. I know you're. I know you're, you're wrong. Get, you're you're I, right. You're right. You're not wrong. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> hold hold on a second. In that Fiesta Bowl season, Boise State played and beat FCS Sacramento State mm-hmm. 
Clayton beat Oregon State, and I want to be clear that is an F. That was a big time win against a program that won ten games that year. So they did beat them. They then beat their conference schedule in addition to Wyoming. I they didn't beat any ranked teams that year. Just that's fair. Whatever. It's all I'm not going to get it's into all it. fair. No, you're right. You're right. They beat Oklahoma, so you're right. Go. They beat AP. Doesn't matter. Whatever. I will say this. Um, Norfolk State has defeated Liberty in football in the past. I don't know what the Sun Belt's problem is. Um, so get good Sun Belt because mm-hmm. Liberty's not going anywhere. Um, uh, last word on this, Jeff. Uh, before you get the last word, Jeff, I do want to say uh, Coach Marion and the go-go offense was shut down. They did score, including on a, pit, a pick six that looked amazing. So go uh, running Rebels. Um, this is their best season in like 40 years. So great job running Rebels. Um, I, Jeff, I'm going to give you the last word on this uh, if you want it. But, uh, man, Coach Marion, get hired by Oklahoma State. Just do it. Oh, please. Yeah. Go ahead, Jeff. I will say it is. Yeah, just. Oh, I imagine it's going to feel weird in Boise where they are. And I think that's sort of. Obvious, but UNLV also is a program that has not been able to have consistent success and them getting a conference title game is is big and good and we'll see if in year two under um barry odom how that shakes out and as well if i think a lot of us are are thinking that brendan marion may end up um oh seeing another place if that does happen who barry odom taps for that OC job because it was a really inspired hire for him to do brendan marion but it kind of was a mm-hmm. forced hand given uh he tried to hire uh, Let's not <laughs> a yeah. very um, entertaining uh, offensive coordinator, but not in the, well, yes, in the offense, not, but also in everything off the field that is giantly questionable, but entertaining. So I'm going to ask as we move into our dessert, and we can keep this short because we're running long. Yeah. Do we want to have a conversation about some coaching hires that have been made recently? And I'll let the I will let Josiah answer if you Yeah, to I I think I'm up for giving a brief conversation. I'll try to keep this short, but if you've been following the news, my alma mater hired Jeff Levy um as its as its head coach. There's I have a lot of thoughts about of Mississippi State. Mississippi right? State, yes. Mississippi State. You're right. Um hired Jeff Levy. Lots of thoughts about this. Very few of them charitable. There's a lot of conspiracy theories about the reason he was hired by the AD, which don't need to really be dignified because, you know. But Levy's a bad hire because he's a win at all costs kind of guy. You know, his history at Baylor, and he's been named in lawsuits affiliated with Baylor under Art Bryles, which if you're unaware, uh, the content appropriate version is that they knowingly covered up dozens of, of assaults by football players on their campus. Um, some of them group assaults. And it was pretty bad. It was very bad. Um, Bri- Art has never gotten a job since then, fortunately, even though people have tried. His son and his son-in-law, Jeff Lebby, have gotten jobs since then, despite being involved in this exact same scandal. Not head coaches, but, you know, still guys that participated and were named. And he, you don't have to do this. Mississippi State doesn't have to do this. That's been my biggest takeaway is we don't have to try to win at all costs. We're not going to we're not a, we're not like a coach away from winning a title. Like it's not that program. You know, this is not like Florida where we're just just on the edge. We have a history of this. We could get there again. I'm not saying they should make that higher either, but Mississippi State does not have to do this. There's no reason 
to hire this guy when so many other amazing coaches were on the table, on the board, including Jamie Chadwell at Liberty, including Willie Fritz at Tulane, including Sumrall, G.J. Kinney. I mean, you want to take a swing, go with Brendan Marion. You want some weird offensive innovation, go with a guy like that. Like there's so many other people who have none of the baggage. And the most interesting part is that OU fans are are ecstatic to be rid of this man. And my MSU family who was excited did not realize that they don't like him because of how badly he called a, a, a not a bad offense, but he did not call it in a way that made sense a lot of the time. And they blame him for that. And OU knows offense. Their fans know offense better than most fan bases in the entire and have for a long time. You go from Switzer to Stoops like they're good at offense and have always been. And then they get Levy and they're like, we hate this guy. And you see the numbers and you're like, oh, he's doing a great job. But they know what's wrong and they can see that there are some big deficits. And Levy's insubordinate. He he's not a guy who's going to listen He's I, I have no confidence in his regime. It's going to it's going to be a, it's going to be bad is my assessment. Now, I could be wrong about parts of this. Maybe he'll win a lot of games. Maybe he'll run the program really well. That doesn't mean that it's a good hire. You don't have to hire a guy with this baggage. It's a bad idea. And, and MSU should not be trying to Lane Kiffin this. You don't have to hire a Lane Kiffin at state. Hire somebody who's a steadier hand that will represent the university as one of the highest paid employees in the state a little bit better than this guy will, especially when people who have not done so up till now start really, truly digging into his past and asking questions. I want to point out that to, to, to what you're saying, uh, he did work for Lane Kiffin at the Mm -hmm. university of Mississippi. Yes, he did. uh, And he was there for two seasons. He was extended while he was there. Uh, he then left there to go to Oklahoma to work under Brett Venables. Uh, there is a lot of baggage here. I don't know how much of it will come to light and how much of it will get buried. Yeah, um, Maybe 50-50 split there. But uh, there's a glaring connection to what was going on at Baylor, which is one of the worst scandals to hit the sport uh, in my time watching it. Um, and it's I have no strong feelings for the choices that Mississippi state makes, but one of my co-hosts does love the team. So I, by proxy love them as well, or at least want them to be successful. And I don't know that this is the guy to do it. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, he'll start coaching in 2024 yeah. and we'll see how it goes. Uh, I'm sorry to the playing <laughs> of faithful and, and we will all get through this together. Uh, yeah. Jeff, go ahead. I know you and it's a terrible to message to send to people on campus who are either victims of sexual assault or their job mm-hmm. is to help victims um, on campus of what this means. The university, you know, is signaling to them on, on their priorities and fundamentally universities have a legal requirement to handle sexual assault in terms of both accountability as well as helping people that are victims on campus, they don't have a, a legal requirement to win football games, and it's a terrible message to send. Levy seems to not have remorse for what happened in his at, with his actions at Baylor, and mm-hmm. I think it it does not really it does not send a great message to those on campus. It doesn't really send a great message to people that aren't affiliated with Mississippi State, but looking at their actions. Um, outside of 
the university for either people to collaborate research with or colleges go to or just if you're you know thinking about the university broadly so it's it's a tough situation it is and uh Josiah, if you want the last word, you can have yeah. it, but I'd like to slide us into what we're going to be doing with the rest of the season as we move forward. Yeah, uh, I guess, yeah, last word is that is to even move beyond the personal baggage. I'm not confident in him, in, in him as a coach. When you look at his resume, he built some great offenses, but who did he build them under? Head coaches that call all their own plays. He was under Heupel. He was under Kiffin. He was under Bryles. These are guys who don't, they are the coach of the offense, not not the OCs, not the assistant coaches. They are the coach of the offense. And so when you have a guy whose claim to fame is he built these great offenses under these coaches, he didn't build those offenses. He participated in them and he was part of that. But I and then he gets to OU and the play calling gets really uneven. The fans are really annoyed with him, even though they're winning a lot, putting up big scores. You know, they're still not really sure that. This guy is actually legit. He seems to have some very big deficits as a play caller, at least according to them. Um, so, yeah, I, I just I've I, <laughs> I am deeply disappointed that we did this. And, you know, that's going to be my ongoing stance until he's gone, basically, which is not fun. But, you know, that's that's the sport sometimes. Sometimes you roll seven, sometimes you roll snake eyes. That being said, I'm going to turn to our executive chef of production, Jeff. Next week, we're all going to be watching Army yes. Navy. So I want you to tell me something that you want to leave the people with as we go on and get out of here. You know, watch Army Navy. We also have a special guest um, coming up to help us or to discuss with us a little bit the ins and outs of statistical analysis in football and, and some analytics as well as how you can use uh, one of our favorite resources which is game on paper so look forward to that as well i also have some good news we have met the uh fundraising requirement and goal for uh my charity run in january so thank you to uh Hey. The listeners that have helped uh, with that, and the, it'll still be in the show notes if you do want to donate, pass that because it uh, it is a great cause, um, cure rare disease um, that works to find uh, treatments and cures for uh, rare genetic disorders. So it's a great cause, but and thank you so much for those that have helped um, with that. But between the run and then we've also got bowl games so we will be uh doing a little bit of preview and review work as those happen um we may shift our recording schedule back to saturday partway through the bowls so be aware of that but we'll probably maybe a similar uh sunday night monday drop of the actual episode so it may not change too much with you guys and yeah well uh bowl season is always fun because you know, hanging around family is fun, but you know what's hanging makes it better? Football. Mm-hmm. There's a food pun in there about bowls. We're gonna find <laughs> it, folks. Don't worry. Um, Soup season. Josiah. Uh, that's right. <laughs> yes. Or salad bowl, or fruit bowl, or something like that. Uh, Josiah, I'm gonna go ahead and turn to you as our executive chef of social media. Where can the people find us? We are. We are out there. We're at Blue Sky. We're at Twitter. We're at Instagram. And we're at Threads. So 
shout out at us, we'll shout back. Lovely. I'll say it for both of my co-hosts, Boiler Up and Indiana Word, and of course, Go Pokes and Hale State. Uh, Virginia State, you're not going to get to keep that one. <laughs> I'm not going to let you. Um, I'm going to say this. Uh, the one thing I want to leave the people with is the season has ended. Um, the regular season, and I, I continue to believe this, the college football regular season is the greatest regular season in all sports. And this one did not disappoint. We had in the Irish wake for the Pac-12, two of the best teams to ever leave the Pac-12 play two of the greatest games of the season. Mm -hmm. um, we have had an undefeated team emerge from the Pac-12. In the Big Ten, we had two of the greatest teams in this, of the, this season again play another one of the great games in their longstanding rivalry, and an undefeated team emerged from there. Uh, in the Big 12, we had one of its great teams who was leaving leave with the championship belt, and literally a championship belt. Uh, along with their championship trophy, and they're taking it with them to the SEC. In the, in the SEC, we had the old favorite win every game they played against SEC teams, and Georgia fans are now questioning whether or not reality is reality. They're plugged back into the Matrix, or they got unplugged from the Matrix, and it's a hellscape. <laughs> Who knows? All I know <laughs> is that Georgia lost to Alabama, and they expected it to happen, and well, you know what? It did. And then finally, in the... Uh, uh, Atlantic Coastal Conference, the old guard has reasserted themselves and won every game they played against their entire conference and maybe got jobbed and pushed out for seemingly no reason. Well, we don't know. But all of these teams had great seasons. New Mexico State, who didn't win their conference, had a great season. Tulane, who didn't win their conference, had a great season. All of these teams went and had phenomenal seasons northwestern with all of the scandal and all of the things that went wrong under the previous mm -hmm. regime is having a phenomenal season for northwestern football and what i'm trying to get at for the folks who are listening to us within the sound of my voice even though they're not going to get to play in any of the three exhibition games that define who gets to claim a national championship within this sport there are teams that had great seasons and their reward for that great season is a bowl and I think we should look, we will look back on this. Teams will, fan bases will, players will, with great reverence for what their team accomplished in this season. And I think that's the thing we should take away is that people will look back and say, do you remember that New Mexico State team that won 10 games and laid the smackdown on Auburn? And I think that's what we should keep it with us. And and when we get to 2024. Find a team that's having a great season and be a part of that. I watched Kansas. They had a great season. I loved every second of it. Lance Leipold's <laughs> the president. That guy, oh, man, that offense, still diabolical. Mm -hmm. You know who else had a great season? Iowa State, who in the snow went and beat and won Farmageddon. I could list off all the teams that had great seasons mm -hmm. and would be justified in doing so. And as long as I am able, I will find those teams and I will watch them and I will point and say, those teams had a great season. Um, so I leave that with everybody. I hope you all had a great season. We're going to be shifting to the off season. We're going to be seeing how it goes as we have, boy, do I have, I have, I don't do personal chefs often, but if they tell me to do one, as I rant about why having a selection committee is a bad idea, I might do that. 
Uh, or it might be a kitchen emergency. <laughs> so they're almost but like we've got a all great of season of three on not liking <laughs> having a committee. So. Mm-hmm. And it's very funny to me that there are individuals who say this is the first time they've been inconsistent. And I'm like, man, mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah, I we have ten years, and I just don't have it in me to point out all ten years of their inconsistency yes. continuing to rear its ugly head. So. I'm glad you see it this time, is all I'll say to the folks. And I accept that I am wrong about everything. Uh, but with that said, I will tell you this, even though the season is over, please don't forget to feed your mascots. <laughs> <laughs>